it, lads and lasses, and good day, mates. Welcome to another episode of the Tune Under Podcast, the Southern Hemisphere's number one podcast for all things Newcastle United, now with a thousand subscribers. Get in, Ooh. check us out, man. <laughs> Taking us a year to get there, but we'll finally crack the thousand. Thanks to everybody for subscribing. Uh, and it was on the back of an absolutely brilliant performance away to um, like away against um, Fulham at Craven Cottage. It was a 12 a.m. kickoff for us here on the east coast of Queensland. It would have been a 1 a.m. kickoff for Bobby because the clocks have changed. Having a Bobby, how are you going, mate? Uh, good league, good. Yeah, daylight saving. So that's going to throw a spanner in in the works yeah. for us and <laughs> trying to get to, to watch games. But uh, yeah, no, brilliant performance. I don't know why you lot have that daylight saving time, man. What's that about? Like, they're talking about doing up here, but if they change it here, it'll just be darker nights and brighter mornings. It's bad enough as it is in Queensland. No, I, I love it because it starts getting dark at about 8 30, 9 o'clock at night here. So you got more time in the day to, to spend with your kids after work. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. Fair enough. But it does make the games that extra little bit later, doesn't it? And it's uh, so it's going to be yeah. a lot of. One o'clocks and two o'clocks in the morning kickoffs. That's going to be a bit of a kicking the balls in it. That's going to be absolutely horrible. But look, if we end up watching a game like we saw uh, at the weekend uh, against Fulham, then it, it'll all be worthwhile. It always, always makes the weekend just that much uh, better, doesn't it? You, you have all that like class chat straight after the game. You're looking at all the content that you can find on Twitter, and then through the day you're just talking to each other, other on the chat, and you're having a great fucking time talking about all the goals and. And it's just a wonderful feeling to actually finally win another game for the season. That's only two games that we've won this season. It feels like we've kind of won a bit more, but we haven't. In reality, we've had a whole bunch of draws in that one defeat to the referees, I mean, to Liverpool. Um, so, yeah, wonderful, wonderful feeling to um, to get a win, second win of the season. Uh, let's just dive straight into the teams for this game. Um, unusually, we'll start with the home team, but I'm going to talk, first of all, about Newcastle because there was... Some interesting choices in this uh, in this lineup. I don't think any of us predicted this lineup. I'll read it for anyone who might be listening. It was Nick Pope Poopy. in goal, uh, Kieran Trippier, Fabian Shaw, Sven Botman, and Dan Byrne at left back. Then it was uh, Longstaff, Willock, and Bruno in the middle, and then it was Miggy Jacob Murphy on the wings, and the return of Callum Wilson up top. And the bench was Carius, Dummett, Lascelles, Joe Linton, Lewis, Target, Wood, Fraser, and Anderson. So. Just starting at the defence, normally I think we'd all agree that Fabian Shaw and uh, Sven Botman are the kind of two elite central defensive partners that we yeah. would typically start a game with. You're obviously going to start with Kieran Trippier at right back because he's absolutely sensational. And normally at left back, it would be uh, my target. But there was a suggestion, I think, in the pre-game presser that there was some illness going through the squad. I haven't actually heard any more specifics about that, but did you actually hear anything about why Target didn't start this game? Or was it perhaps just a tactical thing, putting Dan Burn at left-back? Um, like you, I heard Target and Joel Linton were both a bit ill, um, so they must have had a bug and why they uh, missed out on this game. And, you know, Dan Burns played left-back a couple of times this season already, so I guess um, Eddie didn't want to risk those two boys. And... Um, had confidence in the, the backups to play. Yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced with Dan Byrne at left-back, I'll be entirely honest. He, um, he's not the quickest, and he does get caught of, out of position a little bit too often for my liking, um, and he gives away some daft fouls sometimes as well, but that's that tends to mostly be in the middle of the, of the defence, not so much at left-back. And truth be told, he 
I mean, he didn't really have a great deal to do this this game, did he? Um, moving on into the midfield, and so that was quite a change as well. So it was Bruno returning from from his uh, international. It was a bit of a touch and go, but then obviously he did his little tweet like he tends to like to do on the day of the game or before the game, and it's like, right, he's definitely playing. Uh, and that he was partnered up with Joe Willock and Sean Longstaff. So obviously the headline there was no Joe Linton. Um, but yes. again, are we, are we saying that that was basically illness? Yeah, I think that was uh, the rumours. Who knows? I think Newcastle, um, especially under Eddie Howe, keep things pretty much behind closed doors, which is a good thing. Um, mm. We don't really know what's going on, but um, mm. suggestion was illness, nothing too major. I mean, they're on the bench, so if we did have uh, an injury spate, I, I guess, or the game wasn't going to plan, they were there if needed. But, um, yeah, suggestion was Jolliton was ill, which was sad to see. We all like to see Big Joe out there in the park. Oh, and he number one fun, aren't so. you? You're your number one fun. Yeah, 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 I was. I was a bit disappointed he didn't get to play, but he'll be back next week. I've got no doubt about it. Yeah, and then the the, the next kind of, or the last surprise really, I suppose, was seeing Jacob Murphy on the wing in place of what was more likely to be Fran Razor. Um, mm. What was that about, do you think? Um, maybe it was tactical. I don't know. You know, to be fair, I, I, I didn't want to see Jacob Murphy in the starting lineup either, but... He did his job and and provided some stuff that we, we probably haven't seen from him enough of. So um might have been tactical. Eddie's a master, you know, tactician. He probably saw something in the Fulham Fulham armor that could be unlocked with some of Murphy's skill. So yeah, it was a bit of a surprise. I thought either Fraser or Anderson would have got um would have got the gig before Murphy. So yeah, it was that was the one that was most interesting to me. And no sign of ASM. So what's the deal with ASM for anyone who doesn't know? Um, I think we're saying that he, he should be back very soon. I think he started um, running. So hopefully he's back next week and maybe they'll bring him through from the bench and or give him limited game time starting. So, um, yeah, it'll be good to have our full team ready to go. I mean, we've had a f- sensational start to the season. Could have been better, should have been better if not for VAR and some dodgy calls. But, um, you know, with a full team in, I'd like to see us, you know, Isaac and um, and ASM come in. It's going to be one hard team to to beat. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, ASM's doing videos of him doing, like, bloody dancing in front of his stairs in his house, and he's thinking, oh, he's going to be all right then. And then he's not playing. He's like, what the hell's going on here? Why are you doing a video <laughs> of you doing, like, a freaking tap dance, and then you don't even make the squad, you know? <laughs> And then, of course, up top, a welcome return, a bloody timely return as well, given what happened to Isaac, big dog, of uh, Callum Wilson. Um, it's it's It just feels like a a, a better rounded team, a, a team that's more likely to get something out of the game when Wilson's up top, isn't it? He just scores, doesn't he? Like, I don't... It's like every time he plays, he just seems to get on the scoreboard. So, you know, a bit like when... Shearer was playing, and please don't don't tweet us that I'm comparing Wilson to Shearer. <laughs> but um, you know, it was a bit like that. You you just expect him to score every game he starts, and you know he continued on that. Even though this goal we'll talk about um, whether he pinched it from someone else or not is another thing. But <laughs> um, yeah, Callum in the team makes us that much stronger and that much of a threat. Puts the defenses of the opposition under you know pressure straight away. So. Good to see him back, and let's hope he can string a few games together. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I think Joe Willock will be spewing a bit after that uh, 
steel on the line. We'll come to him in just a, a few minutes. We've got to talk about the red card first. But it, in, in hindsight, this was probably a bit of a stupid comment from me. But when I looked at that uh, with, you know, an hour to go before the, the kickoff yesterday, I was thinking that it felt a bit like a cup selection where you put certain players in different positions and you keep some of your good players back on the bench. I mean, in hindsight, probably wasn't the case. And I think it was more necessity than anything else. Um, but let's have a look at the Fulham team because it was our, our guests that we had on from the Fulham podcast, uh, It's So Craven, uh, great guys. They were saying, you know, they were feeling quite confident with Mitrovic scoring lots of goals. Um, mm-hmm. But they did also say that their defence wasn't the best. It was been leaking a number of goals and they've just been basically scoring enough to get through the games and win. Bit of a Keegan thing, you know, where we'll score one more than you kind of situation. And it's been yeah. working out from this season. They're all up in... Uh, what, did it start in seventh, I think, this game? Yeah. Right up there. Yeah, they were doing a, doing a brilliant job, yeah. Um, and so I looked at that team for Newcastle and I thought, that feels a bit patchwork, feels a bit like it's been stuck together based on necessity. And then I was thinking, and this Fulham team is going to be something that has been playing together for a while. And yes, all right, they are missing their linchpin in the midfield from via suspension. Uh, I forget his name now. But uh, otherwise, that... That was expecting it to be a normal team, but this team actually that was shown wasn't actually the same as what the lads from the Craven Cottage podcast said. It was actually slightly different at the back. Um, was the I mean, Leno's obviously a decent keeper, we know about Mbabu when he used to play for Newcastle, we all know about Mitrovic when he played for Newcastle. Um, was anyone else in that team that kind of stood out to you and, and made you think, ah, oh, you know what, got a chance here, or maybe did you think, nah, shit, that's going to be a fairly strong team at home? Um, I predicted a loss at the start of the game. I thought um, with our injuries and, you know, I was a bit hurt after the Bournemouth game. We just didn't play really well. But um, when I looked at this Fulham team and know the way Marco Silva sort of sets his sides up to attack, I thought, well, we do have a chance here because I think we've got a lot to work on with teams that park the bus against us and, we're mm. you know, we can't break them down. But Fulham don't play that way. And, you know, looking at their team... Other than Mitrovic, really, there's not much else there to be really worried about. I mean, Dan James, you know, has his moments in the Premier League, you know, former Leeds player. Um, but other than that, I didn't think I was, I was looking at it going, you know, the likes of Mbabu who, you know, what do you say? And Chalabar and Reed and stuff like that. I was just, yeah, I thought, oh, well, we might have a chance here. And I think it played out that way. And the other factor is with us is... These players that were sort of low on confidence with with the long staffs and the the Jacob Murphys and stuff like that, I think we're just such a well coached and well drilled team now. Um, these players play their role and know what to do, you know, whenever they got the ball in what position to be. So, you know, they do their thing and they play their roles well. So, um, even if it, it did seem like a patchwork job, as you said, but I think you know we're we're much better coached than what they are. Well, Silva's a decent enough coach. He's got a bit of experience. He kind of, I expected, it's funny enough when you say that we don't break down teams that park the bus because, and we'll get to this in a minute, they probably should have parked the bus, albeit at home, but they probably should have parked the bus after a particular instance, incident early in the game. And I think they might have got a different result out of this, but I mean, you never know. But just for the benefit of those who are listening, the team for Fulham was Leno, Mbabu, uh, Tosin, Reem, Kazawa, Chalabar, Reed, Andres. James Mitrovic and Dekova Reed um and Tom Kemi was on the on the bench. Um it's funny enough as well actually I was looking at the Fulham forum uh this morning 
after the game. I like to do it every time we get a win. I always dive onto the opposition forum, have like a happy few moments to myself, listen to everyone cry. <laughs> it's pretty petty, but it's it's kind of nice at the same time. And uh, they were being fairly honest. You know, they were saying that Chalabar should never have been anywhere near this team selection in the first place. They were actually saying the defence was a poor selection, but more particularly the midfield. Um, so they were actually being fairly honest with with themselves. I mean, they weren't talking to us Newcastle fans, they were talking amongst themselves, but they all were kind of in agreement that Chalabar shouldn't be anywhere near that team. And <clears throat> we might as well just dive straight into the first incident because it, it happened on just uh, eight minutes. So the game, mm. the game really started with Newcastle um, dominating rather well from the start. You know, there was a little bit of feeling around and kind of as you do with the game, sometimes the first 10 minutes is just getting an idea about the opposition and how each team's set up and what you can expect to get but really we settled in that game fairly quickly and it was starting to look pretty nice um and then on eight minutes uh there is a, a moment where the ball comes to sean longstaff and I, I don't know if he opens his body to let it run past him or if he just has a like a hospital first touch hospital ball first touch i'm not sure what it was uh, but the ball is ever so slightly loose and chalabar sees that it's going to be loose and he basically just goes full ball into a challenge and uh, as you can see, if you're watching from the slide on the screen here, uh, the ball's already gone. So Longy's already played the ball. Chalabar then comes in from the side and he uses his uh, right foot. He's got studs shown. He goes right into the ankle of uh, Sean Longstaff. His other leg is sort of trailing around the ground. And the referee gives a yellow initially. Now, at the time, I thought that was a harsh tackle yellow is probably fine but then when you see the replay and i don't know what you thought about this bobby but when you see the replay um it got a lot worse and and it, and sometimes this is the problem with replays as well um you know if you focus on the on almost any challenge if you slow it right down and kind of without the context of what's gone on around it, it the canelli always looked terrible um but the Mike Riley on VAR, he calls across the referee to the sideline. And every time they do that, you know fine well it's going to be a different decision. It's always the same. Yeah. It never hardly ever changes. So we're thinking, oh, brilliant. This is going to go, this is going to go red here. Um, and indeed it does. It's red. So on eight minutes, Fulham are down to 10 men. Um, just tell us, Bobby, how you saw that challenge. Did you see that as a yellow? Did you think it was right to change it to a red, a straight red? Because he cancelled out the yellow and gave a straight red in the end. Uh, was that the right decision for you? And has VAR finally done us something right for once? Well, VAR's definitely done something right for us for once, which it will take the luck when we get it because we don't get a lot of it. So I'm happy to I'm happy to to get it when we can. But for me, it's one of those amber challenges. Um, um, I can understand the red, but for me, if we were on the end of that, I'll, I'd be pretty pissed off. Um, really. Yeah, I don't think it was – for me, the problem was, you know, you're right, you slow it down, it looks really bad, but it was a split-second decision. And, I, look, Chalabar shouldn't have been going, it's eight-minute man, you don't need to, to do it, so it's stupidity yeah. on his behalf. And I didn't think the challenge was high enough on the ankle or high enough on the leg to warrant uh, um, a red to me. But, you know, I can understand what was given. I don't think – you know, it's a mistake to give it a red, and I don't think it would would have been a mistake to keep it as a yellow. So, you know, that that was my my feeling. Interesting. I mean, it's, uh, again, on the for forum, the Fulham forum, they were all pretty much unanimously agreeing that that was a straight up red card every day of the week. And, and my my call at the time after I saw the replay was an absolutely red card. The issue with it really 
Uh, I mean, there isn't any kind of line on the leg where you say, mm. right, if you hit below this, then it's fine. If you hit above this, then you, you're in trouble. Uh, you know, the studs are going straight into the side, full force onto Longy's ankle. Um, you could break an ankle quite easily like that, I would imagine. I, I don't think Longy, you can see from this picture, I don't think he had a great deal of weight on that foot. But nonetheless, mm. you know, you can barge in from the side in a direction the ankle's not really designed to go in. You're going to do some damage. But it was mostly, I think, what really really for me made it red was the the reckless kind of lunge into the challenge the fact that he he just went full ball like yeah. he didn't sort of try and tickle his way into that tackle or anything like that or just put a foot in to sort of block the ball that Longy was about to make he just went full ball clattered into the side the ball's already gone um and funny enough when you watch the VAR replay as well you watch what the referee was looking at on the sideline all he got to see from Mike Riley was just that slow motion contact on the ankle yeah That's all he got to yeah. see and I was I was doing the, the watch along this morning with Craig, and I was saying, look, fine, we've got the decision. I'm not going to complain about it too much. But if I was a Fulham fan, I'd be annoyed just from the principle. And as a Newcastle fan, I'm annoyed from the principle that yeah. Riley didn't show him the context of the challenge. Really, all he got to see on repeat was the actual contact of the challenge. He didn't get to see the fact that he just darts in from the stand and start and goes in like a bloody bulldozer, you know. And if you're going to do VAR. You have to give context to the tackle as well as the tackle itself, surely. Otherwise, you're only giving them a snapshot of the actual incident. And as we've already said, nine times out of ten, the referee is going to change his mind, isn't he? Yeah, I think they manufacture it so the um, the referee can change his mind. But you know, I, it's a silly challenge. Like he didn't need to do it, especially on eight minutes. So it was, you know, we're in no man's land. We're in the middle of the park. It wasn't like we we're in a, a really attacking 4A either, and Longstaff's not the most dangerous player with the ball at his feet. So all those combining factors, you think, what are you doing, man? But you, you don't know what goes on in a player's head. You know, it's interesting you talk about the Fulham fans not thinking Chalabar deserved a start. So maybe in his mind, and you got to rev up from the coach, that this is his opportunity to to do something. So he was a bit hyped up and wanted to, yeah, yeah. to put his um, stamp on the game. And this is what the outcome was, unfortunately, for him. But fortunate for us that it um it worked out no that's a fair enough point and uh he's playing in midfield isn't he so yeah he, he probably has to be that kind of enforcer destroyer type person to really impose himself on the game and give people like Longstaff something to think about but he just completely cocked it up from start yeah. to finish you know and I, and I think that was a straight red I, I I don't think that was anywhere near a yellow or an orange that was a straight red for me um so yeah eight minutes Fulham down to ten Newcastle already dominating possession at this point. And um, three minutes later, three short minutes later, Wilson, we'll see it in quotes with the last <laughs> next to his name, <laughs> he scores slash steals a goal from Joel Willick. So basically it's a header, uh, it's a header down at the far post, a bit like how Burns has been doing a lot in, in some of the games where we kind of loft it to the far post and the big man nuts it straight down into the ground and you get that kind of lucky bounce. And then you cause a bit of panic and you hope to get on the end of it. Uh, this time it was Willick who, who did that header. And, um, and it was from a trip's cross as well. So it and it looks like that ball's going to go in for all the money. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I kind of think it was going to go in. Um, but Wilson, the kind of guy that Wilson is, the kind of striker that he is, uh, the kind of instincts that he's got, he absolutely... Zero chance he was going to allow that ball to hit the post and find out where it was going to go. He was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to tap that in with my toenail. Because it was already on the line, basically, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think he was... Well, yeah, and I think you were saying, Bill, uh, Bobby, that Willock was royally pissed off at that as well, wasn't he? 
I think, you know, if you watch the replay, you see Willick in the, the background and he wasn't too pleased, to be honest. So, um, <laughs> but, but Wilson's a Wilson's a goal threat, isn't he? And he just wants to score and get his goal bonus. And, you know, he can always say, lay claims that he didn't know it was going in and we didn't want to take the risk. And, you know, he's the number nine. So <clears> he can do that. So, but yeah, I'd, yeah Willick wasn't happy. And um, it was a great header, to be honest. It was a lovely header, and he, mm. the thing is, of course, if that had hit the post and kind of went on a, a wonky angle, and and nobody got on the end of it, we'd all be screaming for Wilson just to tap it in, and like you know, who cares about Willock's hard feelings or whatever, you know? And that's yeah. I, you know, that, at the end of the day, he's a professional. He sees the ball that's loose; it needs to get in the back of the net, and, and he makes sure that happens. And it's one nil to Newcastle, ten men for them, and that's just eleven minutes gone. Um, and after that. It is just all Newcastle play after play. We spread the wings. We go backwards. We go forwards. Fulham kind of get anywhere near the ball, and when they do get the ball, they just completely waste it. I mean, some of the some of the play from Fulham was bloody awful. Like you know, they were just mm. giving the ball away left, right, and centre. They were under so much pressure. And sometimes, you know, when the team goes down to ten, they can actually rally a little bit. They can sort of they can somehow play better. It's it's a sort of one of those weird phenomena of football where. Fewer men means the team can somehow play with, I don't know, a bit more space, a bit more freedom, or maybe they just get a rocket up their ass against the injustice of it and they kind of perform much better than they would have otherwise. But no, nah, not in this case. Fulham were absolutely goosed at this point. It just looked like they, they, they just hadn't even turned up. Um, and so 33 minutes, uh, Mickey gets his first goal, and by God, what a goal this was. It's a 1-2 with Bruno. Now, he actually started that manoeuvre first, Miggy. He tried to play a one-two with um, Bruno and he made his run, but Bruno didn't quite fancy it. So he, mm. Bruno was like, no, no. He spreads it wide. It goes back to the wing where Miggy's returned. Miggy then gets the ball, pulls it back a little bit, then plays his ball to Bruno again. And he continues his run. And Bruno's like, yeah, yeah, I fancy this one. And he just does that, you know, that magician's kind of little dink over the top of the defender. And it's inch perfect. And you're thinking, all right, Miggy, what are you going to do here, mate? Because, you know, this is probably going to hit the moon. And he just he just wands it, doesn't he, with his left foot? He just wafts out his leg. Uh, it's on the full volley. I don't think it bounced at all. It and it it sails right past Leno. He's like, Argh! and it goes into the <laughs> goes into the far <laughs> side netting of the goal. Leno's absolutely nowhere near it. Um, there's been a bit of a discussion online about whether or not that was intentional. For me, hundred percent intentional. What did you make of that goal, Bobby? Well, with Miggy, it could have hit the moon, um, but fortunately, it did hit the back of the net. So he's done it. You know, we've seen the Crystal Palace goal, and now this one. Um, I thought what made it more spectacular was with his left foot because he only has a left foot; his right's just for standing on. Um, so he, it, it was a wrong angle for a left footer, but for yeah, some yeah. reason, it, it just hit the right spot on his left foot, and it's gone. You know, top bag. So you know. He meant it. There's no doubt about it. He, he meant to put it on goal, but um, yeah, you, you get either this week's Miggy or last week's Miggy, and the the outcome's <laughs> different. But yeah. but no, like you know, he, he meant it, so it's got to go down as a, a wonder goal and uh, another one for Miggy. What did you make of Miggy last week against not last week, but last game against Bournemouth when we we're all down there in Sydney? What was your what was your part and comment to Wiggy? To, to Wiggy, I've just called him Wiggy again. Oh god, what was your part and comments <laughs> to Miggy? Oh, like I think you know my comments well. Go on. I was pretty oh, pretty ropeable in uh, at the cheese bar in Sydney. Um, 
I had, you... I had a few drinks at, at that point, and it was <laughs> very early in the morning, and it was a yeah. Dow performance. But I wasn't happy with Miggy in Sydney. I thought he shouldn't get a starting spot again. Um, yeah. But, it's you know, in fairness weird. to him, he does do a lot of the the unwarranted things well, like the defensive pressing and the his energy gets around. It's just he doesn't have a right foot, which against Bournemouth, we, we saw him get caught out now time and time again. Um, but, you know, we are where we are. And I think in the end, Biggie will get replaced in time. But for for now, he's uh, he's doing a job and Eddie's getting the best out of him. He's a bit of a utility player, isn't he? Like in the FL kind of utility player where he can do a few things. He can sometimes strike the ball. He can sometimes cross the ball. Mm. Does an awful lot of running in between. Um, for the record, that I still maintain that that Palace goal was a complete fluke. That ball was not intended to go in there. He was just belting it any way he could, and that, that just looped in somehow. As nice as it was to watch. But this goal, for me, 100%, absolutely brilliant touch. Probably going to go down as one of the contenders for goal of the season, I think. I think it's fair to say it was a... Fabulous, fabulous touch. And what a ball by Bruno, by the way. Again, I mean, oh, inch perfect, mate. wasn't it? The defender, defender's pants just came straight down after that ball. It was... That's what Bruno does, isn't it? He just, oh. um, he's just majestic. And he's, I heard somewhere, I thought I might have read it somewhere, he's only at about 50% capacity. So, you know, the guy is um, scary. He's a freak. It's just it's unbelievable. absolutely scary. If he, can, if he can find another 50% somewhere, we are. Absolutely laughing. Mm. Of course, he'll probably get sold. But <laughs> maybe, we'll get to see him. maybe we'll get to see him a little bit before he gets flogged off the Barcelona or something. Um, 33 minutes, two now to the tune. And suddenly you're thinking, what are we all worried about here? Like, you know, it's this is <clears throat> this is going like almost perfectly well here. Um, and it gets better. 37 minutes or thereabouts. Mitrovic, who has literally done nothing in this game to this point, besides touch it twice, I think, in defense both times. He goes off with an injury. Now, this looked like a reoccurrence of the injury that he appeared to have got in the international game. And we saw a picture of it after that game where his legs all bandaged up. And I think you said, Bobby, before that, he was on crutches as well. I'm not entirely sure I've lost Bobby. I think he's frozen in state, in state here. Um, just in case you are there, Bobby, um, was that injury... The reason why Miggy had been completely quiet this whole game, or was it just because Newcastle were dominating midfield and given the defence so much to worry about that the ball just was never find him in the first place and he's gone? Right, well, I'll answer that question for you. Probably, Bobby would say, it was due to the, uh, the probably two things, really. It was probably down to both. It was probably down to the fact that Newcastle were really, really just in complete control of the game uh, at this point, 37 minutes in, 2-0 up. Fallen down to 10 men. And Bobby, I'm just I'm answering my question for you. Um is your, your connection looks like you made a Lego mate. Are you are you back? I'm back. I'm back. If you can hear Beautiful. me. Right, cool. So what I was asking before there was um 37 minutes, Miggy uh, Mitchell goes off with an injury. Now that that looked like a reoccurrence or just an aggravation of the injury that he got in the international game that we saw earlier in the week or two beforehand. Um but by this point here, he'd basically touched the ball twice, I think, I counted. Mm. And both were in defence, you know, defending a corner or something like that. He had been absolutely nowhere near the ball. And what I was asking was, do you feel like the injury was the reason why Mitrovic was not really in this game by this point? Or could it have been because Newcastle were dominating so much that the ball just simply wasn't getting to him? Or was it maybe a bit of both? Yeah, combination of both, I think. I think... 
I was surprised. I fully expected Mitro not to start um, or play this week because of his uh, midweek injury. So he was obviously, you know, not well, not well enough to play. But you know, the whole game, even before the red card, Lee, we were just we were a team on you know a mission just to to attack and attack. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we let Fulham, you know, do what they usually do or have been doing this season. And and Mitro's a striker, like all strikers, that needs to be fed, you know, crosses darting into the box and, you know, all that sort of thing. And we just didn't allow them any of that early in the game or when he was on anyway. And um, so he wasn't getting fed like he usually does. And, yeah, that was the outcome. But, yeah, in fairness to him, oh, it was really surprised he got a, he got a game against us. Yeah, and I think that's going to... That's going to... You would imagine that's going to be pretty bad news for Fulham, wouldn't you? Um, he's yeah. essentially the source of their goals. Um, I think they have spread their goals around the team, but he's got, what was it, six and seven or something like that? And uh, he's the kind of main target man. Now, he's gone off with an injury that was uh, caught in international. He's aggravated it probably in this game. It could be off for any number of weeks on the back of this. God knows what it even is, but mm. that's really, really terrible news for Fulham. Uh, great news for us, though. You know, so I wasn't. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm still not completely sold on whether Mitrovic is a Premiership level striker. Um, I'm willing to be corrected on that, but I, I don't know. He's had flashes in the pan before. Like it was a couple of seasons ago where he, he scored a bunch of goals before Christmas and then just completely disappeared off the map. Um, and there might be another reoccurrence of that. Um, but if he's going to start getting injuries, then it's going to be a long season for him and for Fulham. Um, but that was so. That's two 0 Newcastle. Uh, two goals up. Fulham, 10 men, they've lost Mitrovic, just keeps getting better. And as if that wasn't good enough for the first 45 minutes, we're going to make a three and out. Uh, and it's just before the break, around about 43rd minute, I think it was. And it's almost a carbon copy of the first one. But this time, it's from a trip's corner rather than just a general cross. And it's Botman on the back of the goal rather than Willock. And Botman just this like, like really good power header and it's... It's going straight to goal, and then it gets his just just gets his little fingertips. He just grows his little Wolverine fingernails, doesn't he, to kind of get his get his hand on it, and he, he hits it against the post. And it's like, oh well, there goes that chance. That would have been a great goal. But who's there at the back post? Sean Longstaff, of course, he is. Where you expect him to pop up every time, and he's got. It, there was still something to do, you know. I think he did. He did he kick that ball under Leno as Leno was trying to sprawl to to protect it, or did he just simply rifle in the roof? I kind of forget how that went. But anyway, as yeah. it actually went. He smashes it in. It's 3-0. Newcastle absolutely flying. What do you make of that one, Bobby? Uh, exhibit A on Fulham not being a defensive team. Um, cool. To have Sean Longstaff as the first person to react to a, a ball that bounces off the post just shows yeah, everything about their mental uh, defensive capabilities. They're just not built that way. So, um, But it was good, you know, as he said, Botman, good header. Leno, decent save. But Longstaff, you know, in the right position and reacting really well. Um, so it was good. I mean, we uh, we deserve to be 3 0 up as well. It wasn't a game where, you know, somehow you think you look at the score and see three and go, oh, you know, how good's this? You know, how lucky were we today? No, it was a, a dominant performance. That goal was justified. Yeah, it was it was a dominant performance as it was against Bournemouth. But the difference is here. Fulham, as I alluded to earlier, Fulham didn't show up shop after that red card when they really probably should have. Like it's it's a typical tactic for many manager when you go down to ten men, you you get compact and you prevent 
the ball through the channels and you, you make it very, very difficult. And most of the times it just basically means parking the bus and trying to hit on the brick. And I, I don't know whether they just couldn't do that because they didn't have the right guys on the pitch or they're just not capable of doing it in general because they haven't been trained to do it. Um, but their defence all day was pretty much all over the bloody place. Um, mm. But look, great, great for us. So we go in half-time, 3-0 um, against 10-man Fulham. And the stats were ridiculous. I don't actually have the slides, but it was something along the lines of 80% possession to their 20% or 70 to their 30 and we had something like 12 shots to their zero. Um, and probably about half of those shots were on target. Obviously, none of theirs were on target because they didn't have any. Um, we had something like four times the touches. And it was almost it was something like 95% of each of those touches were successful passes as well. It was like it was it was such a dominant performance from Newcastle. Like, could you have imagined a more perfect first 45 minutes against what we thought that this not forget was going to be a very tricky game? No, no, like it was unbelievable. It was like the reverse of what we used to cop against the Man Cities under Steve Bruce. So um, <laughs> to be on the other end is is a bit different and you don't expect it. But um, I definitely did not expect this. Fulham, let's not forget, they came into this game in pretty decent form. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, and it showed a willingness to create and score goals. So the fact that we're 3-0 up and they didn't have, you know, anything attacking for the whole 45 minutes was... You know, amazing. And you take out the red card, it was one of the, the most dominant displays we've had um that I can remember. Yeah. I mean you can't you can't forget the fact that they were down to ten men and obviously that changes an awful lot on the team's tactics. They've been training all week with eleven men and suddenly they find themselves down to ten on bloody eight minutes. <laughs> the worst possible start ever. But <laughs> nonetheless, you know, as I say, that can sometimes rally the teams and you still have, you still got a game to win. You still got to beat the team that's in front of you. And my God, we really set about it, didn't we? In that half, um, let's have a look at a bit of a interesting stats from uh, Biffa. I'm not sure if this is Biffa from NFC.com. It might not be, but um, last time we were th- three 0 up at half time in any game was Morecambe away, League Cup September 2020. Rush were five 0 up. Uh, last time we scored three first half goals in the Premier League anywhere was Southampton at home in February 2021. We were three one up. And the last time we scored three first half goals in a Premier League away from home was West Brom, uh, March twenty twelve, where we were three 0 wow. up. March twenty twelve, West Brom. I mean, that's. I mean, first of all, those aren't, those aren't great stats if you just look at them as like that, like that. But I mean, you talk about three goals. Three goals isn't easy to get in any game, um, yeah. you know, and let alone against a, a team that's in form like Fulham. Um, it just really just reinforces what a dominant display it was, doesn't it? Yeah, a dominant display, and that. This is now a different Newcastle United from what we've experienced for the last 14 odd years. So, um, you know, even our coach is probably, you know, he's a wonderful coach and he has a team drilled and playing well. So hopefully we keep seeing these stats and they mm-hmm. start kept reappearing. And then um, 2022, all the stats will be overridden. Yeah, well, exactly right. We're still at the start of this whole adventure, aren't we? There's still mm-hmm. a long, long go here um but you can start to see the signs of uh, improvements everywhere really in this team um let's just get in the second half then so we really just started the second half like we'd finished the first it was still Newcastle in control Fulham desperately trying to get out of their own half half the time just trying to get out their own defensive areas um giving the ball away all the time Newcastle just pressing and pressing um whenever the ball did come loose if Fulham ever had a chance we were back and we were defending it was all very comfortable I'm not even sure Nick Paul would touch the bloody ball. 
be honest with you. Um, it was so far away it. from Newcastle's goal this whole time that, you know, you might as well just stayed on the bus. Um, but, you know, we kept on going. And we get our, our fourth reward on 57 minutes. It's Miggy who gets his second goal of the game. Uh, Murphy down the line to Willock. It was a lovely ball for Murphy as well. And Willock crosses it right across the face to goal. And Miggy is there to tap it in at the far post to make it four now. Now, that one was slightly easier than the first one, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> he had his left foot free as well on the line, but he, he got there and uh, and tapped it in. But wonderful ball by Murphy. Um, and Willock, again, all game, had provided those runs from midfield and it was a workhouse, um, workhorse, sorry, um, all game. So, And his ball across the goal was begging to be tapped in and Miggy there on hand to do it. So, again, as you say, again, deserved to be 4-0 up. We were dominant. We, we didn't stop and... Um, I thought this was going to get to a six or seven, to be honest. I was about to say, it was starting to feel that, you know, in 60 minutes, you've still got half an hour of normal time to go and you're 4-0 up, fly, and you're thinking, Jesus Christ, this is going to be the bloody basketball game. This, it's, you know, it's, mm. everything's going absolutely perfectly, but didn't quite work out that way. But nonetheless, um, we did have the ball in the back of the net a couple of times during the second half. Um, both, I think it's fair to say, they were correctly ruled as offside. I guess you'd agree yeah. with that, Bobby. Yeah, and some nice yeah. finishes as well. One that was a dink over the top of the keeper that was absolutely beautiful. That have actually um, stuck, um, you know. Ryan uh, Fraser or whatever you call him, Ryan Razor. That was number nine. Yeah, I knew number yeah. nine. Uh, yeah, right through the middle, dink. wasn't it? It was absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah, such a shame that yeah. that was offside. And of course, Miggy denied his hat trick with his goal that was offside as well. Um, yeah. So we start making some changes, and that's really when the game starts to change. And as you probably imagine, um, on the 60th we take off Bruno. Um, who has just returned from injury, and then we, we stick in Elliot Anderson. Um, what did you make of Elliot Anderson for the for the 30 minutes he was on the pitch? I'm impressed every time I see the kid. I think he he's getting closer and closer to starting. I would, would have liked to see him on at half-time in this game because we were so comfortable, but um, to him to get you know 31 minutes or whatever he got um, is going to be good for him, and yeah, obviously, Eddie's introducing him slowly, like he does mm. uh, with with a lot of players, which is which is good. But I, every time this kid plays, he's just a class above. Like his touch, his his runs, you know, he's he's ready to go. So um, I look forward to him starting and having a bigger impact on games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it definitely does feel like a kind of drip feed introduction into Premier League life, doesn't it? He's only what is it, eighteen or something? He's, mm. he's not very old anyway. Um, so you can't expect him just to get chucked in. Um, Eddie Howe's going to protect him as much as he can and uh, make sure he's ready for it. Um, but very good to see him coming on and have a substantial amount of time. Uh, he is the future if he keeps on going. Um, pretty much for the rest of the game, though, it was. Um, I think it's fair to say we started to take our foot off the gas a little bit, didn't we? We kind yeah. of. I mean, the game's won. Like you know, they're not going to score. They couldn't even get out their bloody half, so they're not going to score four goals to get a point out of this game with just 30 minutes remaining it's not like Newcastle against Arsenal um there was just yeah it, it, it just it just wasn't they didn't have a Joey Barton winding up everybody on the pitch and sort of <laughs> conning the referee into you know penalties and free kicks um and on so you know you get all the way to like the 83rd minute and it's still very comfortable but then we make like a triple change and we we essentially swap out the back four um save for uh Sven Botman who actually played the whole game so we actually Put in Target, Lascelles, and Lewis. I mean, Lewis. Hmm. Actually, that was good to say. Exists, yeah, because you you actually quite rated Lewis, don't you? I love him. I think he's a really good player. I think he's got high potential. 
Um, very athletic. He's a tall, tall left back too. So, you know, he's quite I, tall. Yeah, I think he's um, yeah, he's a prototype for what modern fullbacks can be in the mould of Alexander Arnold and all that sort of thing. Even though there's a chat about how good he is at the moment, but um, yeah, he's. I think I think Lewis has got massive potential. And I think Howe's the right man to get that out of him. You think he's got a, a long term future still? Yeah, I do. I, I think. <clears throat> um, He's got his injury concerns, so hopefully he can get over those. That's the big question mark with him. His body is a bit brittle, but I think they've done the right thing by giving him a bit of time to get back, and um, hopefully now we see him get a string of games, and hopefully you know he could be the understudy to trip, um, you know, to Trippier in terms of you know a full back that can take the free kicks, can do what he wants to do. So yeah, we'll see how it goes, but I, I rate his potential quite high. Well, look, you'll not want to watch the replay of the goal that Fulham scored then because it was, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's probably harsh to blame it on one person, but he was fast asleep when that ball came across. Should have been mm. defended. Um, but yeah, but that was on the back of these three changes. So that kind of changed the whole makeup at the back. Um, and because we were already sort of cruising by this point, Fulham started to come a little bit more into the game. They found a bit more space. Newcastle weren't pressing as much anymore. And on the 88th minute, we unfortunately lose the clean sheet, which would have been the icing on the cake, really, for this performance. Um, Decadova Reed um, takes advantage of a, a ball that comes to the back. And I think, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened here. Now, I think Pope comes out and he flaps a bit, doesn't he? He doesn't, he's kind of just waving his arms yeah. and his legs and he's like, ooh, look at me. One's like inflatable, wacky waving inflatable tube men. Um, <laughs> not really offering anything was he Pope, nah, in, in I, that he, he should have been watching that i mean could he could have pulled have come out a little bit sooner and actually just caught that ball that was my first thought looking at looking at it i thought what's he doing here and he's done it a few times this season like I, for all how good he is and how um comfortable he is he, he sort of you know hesitates coming out and really attacking those types of crosses where he, he could have dead that ball and we'd be fine so my first instinct was, yeah, he should have done better. Let's give Lewis, let's chuck him a bone. Did, did, do you think Lewis thought that was a ball for Pope to come and claim? And then he's turned around and thought, oh, shit, the bed, where's Pope gone here? Um, yeah. And then that just made it look like Lewis was out of, out of position and not watching the game? Or was it, you know, Lewis hasn't played much football at all since Eddie Howe kicked him out of the team when he first arrived, pretty much. So, like, you know, it could, and he didn't play much in preseason either, I don't think. So, He's going to be very rusty. If nothing else, he's going to be very, very rusty. So, who'd let's let's blame somebody? <laughs> Who are we going to blame for that goal? I'm blaming Pope. I think, um, I think exactly that. Looking at the when it was live, I thought Lewis thought that Pope would have come out and claimed it. You know, maybe hopefully now he learned his lesson to go a bit harder and, and get to that defensive area a bit better. But um, I think yeah, Lewis thought Pope would have had it and. Pope might have thought, well, I don't know this bloke. Maybe he's going to get there, maybe he's not. So a bit of miscommunication, and that's what ends up. But if you want me to blame someone, I'm blaming Pope. Fair enough. Actually, you know, I don't think Pope's the most communicative uh, keeper anyway. I, you don't really mm. see him uh, shouting at his defenders and stuff the way like Dubravka would do. Um, but anyway, so that that goal meant that it was the, the game finished 4-1. Took a bit of the gloss off the performance in the sense that we didn't get our clean sheet, but all in all, what a comfortable win that was for Newcastle United. Uh, what were the emotions for you, Bobby, at the end? And uh, did you see Garansky 
in the away end there, celebrating with the fans. Yeah, it's all over, as you can imagine, for our uh, viewers everywhere in Australia that he's um, not only joined us, but he's in the crowd and um, made to feel very welcome by our fans. So it's great to see. So my emotions after the game was one of pure joy because I actually predicted a loss, to be honest. Um, yeah, true. Yeah. But I thought, you know, where we are now is probably deserve it. I think we're in seventh place, you know. So I think um, we deserve to be there. So, you know, a bit of relief as well because whilst we've been playing very good, the season was starting to look like, oh, we're not where we should be and, you know, all that sort of thing. So no, glad to get the win in three points and, <clears throat> yeah, move on. Yeah, we'll come to the table in a minute because there was a definitely a feeling about that uh, first few games. Um, but nice to see Goransky, uh kind of, you know, getting into the whole spirit of, of his new club, um, doing his best Mike Ashley in the uh, in the crowd with the fans. Let's just hope it ends a little bit better than the way that one did. Christ there almighty. There would be no beer. No beer. Yeah, no. Yeah, God. Fucking hell. Um, let's not talk about him. Um, and there was even time for Deck of Ant and Deck and Amanda to stick their heads out the door. I noticed um, in the away fans all like, oh, Nicholas, so you know, and Deck's like, go away. And Amanda's giving the old smell. It's just a nice, it's just nice to have that kind of feeling around the club, isn't it, man? God almighty, we've been so badly treated in many, many ways for so long. Um, we just we just have everyone kind of coming out of the, coming out of the shadows and starting to be their true selves and being able to kind of really enjoy what's going on, don't we? Oh, absolutely. You know, and opposition fans look at us and think, what are you, man, like your owners, you know, sticking their hands out the window and cheering and you guys carry on like pork chops. But it's just where we've been, <laughs> you know, for so long, you know, like we haven't had any communication for 14 years. We've been made to look fools and um, have an owner who really didn't give a shit about us, to be honest, to now having this ownership group, the ones who are managing the day-to-day Constantly being there, um, constantly communicating, showing up to games and cheering with us and thanking us and mate, the harmony and the, the feeling of supporting this club is totally different and they've done a lot in their 12 months as we spoke about in the previous pod. Absolutely. And of course, before I forget, we actually got, we had a chance for Serena, our mate Serena, to uh, Australian uh, media manager, photo shooter extraordinaire at the club. She even managed to get another team shot in. I don't actually have it for the slides, but um, I'd almost I'd almost forgotten about them, you know. I'll be honest with you, I'd kind of forgotten that that was a thing, even though it's only been, you know, a few weeks, because it's been such a sort of torrid few weeks in many ways, you know, and, and then it just popped up on my Twitter feed, and I was like, oh, of course, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, I was like, get in. Yeah, yeah, I totally forgot as well. Like, it has been a long time since our last win, like, you know, you yeah, sort of look at it season. and think, yeah. oh, man, we, and it's pretty weird because the feeling's still good and we're playing really well and you know we we'll look at the table soon and I think you know even though we're, we're doing well we should I think have at least four four more points on the board um yeah and that would put us right at the top so feelings are good but it's good to get a win and all these other things that come with it with Serena's photo capping off it's sort of like the icing on the cake isn't it when we see that yeah and how nice is it to have a an Aussie citizen at the club well, I mean, at some point he'll be at the club. I think he's going to get loaned out and stuff. But she was kind of, she was sort of talking about how emotional she was having somebody with the same kind of phrases that you lot come out, pork chop and all the rest of it. And uh, <laughs> and she was like, as much as it's nice to hear the accent, it's also nice to hear the way that the, the Aussies talk as well. You know, it must be really nice for her. Let's move on quickly uh, right. to the match stats of the 
of the game. So in the end, it was uh, 69 possession to Newcastle, 31 to Fulham. Uh, Newcastle had 19 shots and 10 on target. Fulham had four shots and one was on target, which was obviously the goal. Uh, we had eight corners, they had one, and we had 600 passes to their 277. Absolute dominance, Bobby. Ah, that, what do you say? Yeah. A dominant performance, you know, away from home. Yeah, brilliant. Bring it on. That's, uh, you know, what you want to see. And, you know, how wants us to be more progressive. You can't be more progressive than that. And unlike Bournemouth, we actually did get four goals as well to, to take all three points. Um, let's just have a quick man the match. Uh, there's probably one or two options here that you can pick from. Um, who are you going to go for? Uh, my my is Joe Willock. I thought he ran all day. He was, you know, the first goal he was, you know, should have been credited with, but he um, <laughs> was influential in that and the last. Yeah. Um, so he, he did his job and, you know, from the midfield, he really helped out Bruno with the hard running and, and setting up the space as well. So, yeah, I'm going to give it to Joe Willock. I think he deserves some praise for that game. Are we getting the, the Willock... The season one version of Willock is he starting to return a little bit? Do you think because he he does a lot of the work that goes unnoticed? I think a lot of times, yeah. I think he's going to be a better version of that season two. He's going to be more well all rounded player. I think as we've had to put up with a lot of him learning on the the job with Howe in different positions, but I think we're starting to see him understand his role and understand the importance of what he does. And I think he's going to be a fine player. Um, there's still some patience needed, he's still very green, but um. I think we've got a making of a very good player there. And he's getting through the games as well. He's playing the whole games. He's not being subbed off on 60, 70 minutes, as it was, was happening quite frequently yeah. as well. Yeah, I think I'll go for... Uh, I think I did initially on the watch-along a pick, Miggy, because that was that was almost a coming-of-age kind of performance from him. He um, he, he almost had a hat-trick, uh, which mm. is from Miggy. From anybody, it's difficult, but from someone like Miggy who tends to like bouncing balls off planets rather than sticking on the back of the goal. Uh, you know, it's even more impressive. And he did a, he did all the running that he always does. And we all know he does all the running, but it sometimes goes unappreciated, I think. Yeah. And it's nice to see him finally get his just rewards. And he celebrated like he'd won the World Cup as well. So it was brilliant to see him and Bruno with a photograph at the end, like they've been the best mates. And so, someone put a picture of Paquita. <laughs> did you see that photo? <laughs> someone put like a yeah. photoshop on the corners if they're doing a FaceTime. He looks really miserable. And <laughs> Bruno and uh, Miggy are like... Rrr! Oh, that's <laughs> all the person on the back who thought that one that was absolutely brilliant. But I think uh, someone's, done, a... someone's done the Jack Grealish one as well. So that's uh, oh, even Christ, that nice. funny let's, too. Let's not get into Jack Grealish. Um, but I think I'll give it to Bruno. He uh, covered an awful lot of ground as well, and he pulls all the strings. And you know when he's not playing because we suffer a bit like a John Joe Shelby. But if if Bruno can play a bit more like this, albeit mm. it was a completely different kind of game to Bournemouth and the like of that. But if he can play more like this, those lovely lobs over the defence for Miggy's first goal, then um, he's untouchable. He, he's um, first name on the sheet, uh, along with Joe Linton. Um, all right, we'll just finish it off this off by looking at... Oh, sorry, I do actually have one more stat to come from. Oh, mate, everyone's mate, Lee Ryder. So the, the last few dates when Newcastle reached 11 points, which is what we are now uh, in the Premier League over the last five seasons, 2018-19 uh, was November the 26th. We got 11 points. The 1920 season, it was November the 2nd. 2021 season, it was November the 1st. Uh, 21-22, it was bloody awful. December the 27th. We all know that one. This year, 22-23, October the 1st. And as he mm -hmm. says at the bottom there, progress. Can't deny it, Absolutely. can you? 
no, it's it is progress. It feels different this season. It doesn't, you know, I don't think any of us from the start have been looking backwards, which is different, you know, to what we're used to. Um, so, yeah, definitely progress has been had. But um, and as I said, alluded to before, I think we should have fifteen points on the board um, if it wasn't for VAR or referee decisions. Well, let's have a look at the board. So, um, Arsenal. In first place, having a great season, Arsenal. Um, yeah. Man City closely behind them. So Arsenal's on 21 points. Man City's on uh, 17. Joint with Spurs, also on 17. Um, and Man City have a game in hand there. Uh, Brighton flying in fourth place um, with a 3-3 against Liverpool, doing them no harm whatsoever. Trossard, I thought he was a good player. Yeah. Um, 14 points. They also have a game in hand uh, over Spurs. Uh, Chelsea in fifth place on 13th. Man United somehow in 12th. And then Newcastle, 11th place. Um Lots of grays for the draws. That one loss in the middle and a nice win on the end. And then we've actually replaced Fulham on, on the basis of goal difference, of which we kind of hammered into them. Uh, so we are on plus four goal difference, which in itself is bloody amazing. It's amazing, like, isn't it? Yeah. There's no minus sign there, which is like, well, <laughs> all right, we're, you know, more of this, please. Fulham on minus two now, um, starting to look a little bit shaky, I think. Uh, Liverpool in ninth place on 10 points with a game in hand. Brentford, our next opponents in 10th place, also on eight games with 10 points. So I think I asked Chris, uh, Chris, I think I asked Craig this on the watch uh, watch along. Is that now starting? And I think you've already answered this question, to be honest with you, but very quickly again, is that now starting to look like a more realistic uh, table for where Newcastle should be in the season? Given all the stuff that's gone on, I know we've had lots of draws, we've only won two games. Um, it's very early doors. It's only six or seven games in, but nonetheless, that does that feel to you, Bobby? Like that is that is more like where we should be expecting us to be on the back of the performances alone. Yeah, I think so. I think um, the one thing that sticks out is this season. The you know, other than you know Arsenal and Man City who are playing out of their out of their skins, it's a very even um, top half. I think mm. um, you know take away Fulham, maybe take away Brentford. Um, I don't see the top half really changing from that. Um, the rest of the team's in there. So um, we can beat anyone on our day. That's that's what I'll say. You know, it doesn't matter who we play. We, we can actually beat anyone on our day. So you've got to say we're in seventh at the moment. Who knows what can happen? I, you know, I'd take seventh if you offer to beat now. Oh, yeah. End of season, mate. I'll be happy with that. Absolutely. Um our next opponent there is Brentford. I believe that's right. Brentford next. Um, yep. Just very quickly, they've scored 15 goals. Obviously, Ivan Tony's knocking them in. And they've got 12 against. So a bit like Fulham in the sense that they are scoring lots of goals, but they're also conceding a fair few as well. You can't mm. trust that with us. We've scored eight goals and we've only conceded four. Uh, sorry, we've scored 12 and we've only conceded eight. They've scored 15 and conceded 12. Now nah, it's about the same. But they've got a plus three. So they're scoring goals, they're conceding goals. Um, just very quickly, just to round this off, um, three points against Brentford. Do do us? I, th- yeah. I think Brentford play the style of play we like to play against. So, yes, I'll take a win. I'll back nice. us in. Nice. Uh, I'll not ask for a score prediction. We'll talk about that in the preview. But, um, another, you know, a win against Fulham, a win against Brentford, and we are going to look very, very nice in this table, even possibly breaking into the top six or five or maybe even four. And I would have definitely took that at the start of the season. Absolutely <laughs> would have took that. All right. Bobby, thank you very much for your time there, mate. It's been a brilliant Thanks, uh, chat there. It's bloody great, isn't it, winning games? Doesn't have changed the whole complexion of the weekend, does it? Mate, I've got a smile on my face. Sun was shining even in Ballarat and the win doesn't get better.
I bet it was still bloody freezing though. <laughs> For you, it would be, but now I was pretty warm. Shorts on. Oh, nice one. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to everyone who's watched or listened. Um, we have hit the thousand subscribers number, which is brilliant. Um, We've been working towards that for since we started, really. Um, so that is wonderful for us. Uh, thank you to everyone who's watched and listened uh, over the last 12 months or so. Uh, thanks especially to those who've clicked the little red subscribe button. If you haven't done that yet, please do give it a wallop. Um, it's just a single click for you, but it does mean an awful lot to us. And if you don't mind as well, if you, if you wouldn't mind, you, you can uh, jump on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You'll find us across all the social platforms. Give us a like uh, and especially get involved. You know, Give us a comment. Uh, we often talk about some of the comments we get on these shows um if it's a if it's a good comment so yeah we'd like to talk to other newcastle fans particularly if you're in australia and um, but we're not you know we're not biased we'll talk to anybody from anywhere it's all good uh so we'll probably be back for a preview of the brentford game later in the week um but for now that will do for us thank you very much bobby thanks everybody who's watched and listened and here's to the next thousand subscribers away the tune cheers bobby thanks guys